This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We're a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. For anyone who doesn't know me, um, I lead Sterling Vineyard, and it's so great to have you all here today. You know, I'm so excited about our baptisms today. You know, this is why I do what I do. It's one of the reasons why. Um, And so it's so exciting to be able to just celebrate three incredible ladies, three incredible stories. And we just wanted to give you a chance to hear those stories this morning. And so I'm going to invite, first of all, in fact, could I grab your stand? Is that okay? I'm going to invite, first of all, Haley to come and join me up here this morning. Well done. Haley's been really brave in going first this morning. So obviously I've just kind of introduced Haley to you. Haley, do you want to tell us anything about yourself? What do you do? Anything you'd like us to know about yourself? Um pretty boring person, but not <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a mechanic apprentice down at BMW. Woo! That's pretty exciting. <laughs> Brilliant. So you're going to share a little bit of your story. And so I wanted to ask you, first of all, um, can you just tell us all a little bit about your decision to, to follow Jesus and what led you to that point? Would you like to hold this? Um, well, I've been following uh, Jesus for as long as I can remember and going to church, but I never kind of truly understood the services. But since I've joined Vineyard, I've developed a new understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. And I know that kind of as I age, I'll continue to do so. Can I just ask, how old were you when you joined Vineyard? Um, 14. 14, wow. okay. And actually, I just, I really want to honour Haley this morning, because you were 14 when you joined, and over the last few years, you have served your socks off up there at the back with your mum and tea and coffee, so we want to thank you so much. You really have done an incredible job. So, really exciting to hear, but what is it that's made you want to get baptised today? One of the topics we spoke about in our small group was the kind of levels of Christianity and Looking back, especially in my pre-teenage years, I was definitely a, more of a lukewarm Christian. I would go to church, whether that be because my mum had asked me to go or if, because my friends were going. And I knew of him, but I wouldn't necessarily say I knew him. But looking at, uh, looking at my faith now, I can easily say that I'm a stronger Christian than I was. When I saw my first baptism, I had said to my mum that I had wanted to get baptised. And she told me to wait until I was older, but you know I d- didn't understand why. Being a teenager, I wanted to go against my mum's word. But um, yeah, I'm glad she did tell me that. Is it's allowed me to grow closer to the Lord. And I kept thinking about baptism throughout my wait, and each time I felt His hand on my back and Him telling me to be patient. And the other day, I felt Him say to me, "Prove your love to me. You want to be baptized, and but you weren't ready. I'm saying to you now, you are ready to know me and to grow with me." And when I heard him say this to me, I realized I'd been trying to rush my faith. I'd seen others who were closer to him, and I'd wanted that. And I'd tried to gain a closer relationship with him then and there. But he'd wanted me to not only walk the path with him, but to take it in and to stop and see him in the everyday. And to see him in the little things. And now that I've done that and I've walked that path, my faith has grown and strengthened. And I will continue to walk that path with him no matter where it leads. That's so good, Haley. Absolutely. absolutely brilliant and the final question I just wanted to ask is how do you think the decision to to follow Jesus has changed your life 
I've become more confident in myself and in my faith, and I feel more safe within my own mind. I find myself praying for others regularly, whether that be for someone at work who's fallen ill, or one of my friends as they work through their exams and towards their uni applications. But I also find myself praying for a connection between my friends and God, as I want others to feel the love and reliance that he's shown me and created within me. I've been lucky enough to have been given a, a new perspective on my day-to-day -day life, and I've found more and more things that I wouldn't have necessarily noticed without him, like the way the birds are always singing together and the way the grass shimmers in the sun. It's these small miracles that remind me how lucky I am to be surrounded by both my church family and my biological one. And I pray that others find the certainty within him. Brilliant. Hayley, thank you so much for sharing that with us this morning and for being really brave and going first. There is going to be a chance to pray for you at the end of the service, so I'll invite you to take your seat, but we'll have you back up here shortly. Okay, well done. Let's give her a clap again. <laughs> so good. So good. Fantastic. Well, next I'd like to welcome Grace to come up. Let's welcome Grace. <laughs> Fab, is that a bit high for you? Possibly. Yeah. No, 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 it's high for all of us. <laughs> Um, so I'm just going to share a little bit about what led me to today um, and a bit of my story about what God's been doing in my life. So I grew up in church down in rural England um, and I grew up learning about God and exploring the Bible. Whilst there weren't many people my age in church, I went to camps run by a wonderful organisation called the Stewards Trust. And here I was blessed to make friends with Christians my age, many of whom I still call close friends today. As a teenager, the pressure of school, all-encompassing friendships, and the desire to be popular became a priority in my life. As a people pleaser, I really wanted to please people and be liked by everybody. My worth and who I was was placed entirely in the way I thought I was perceived. During this time, I didn't stop believing in God, but it wasn't a priority, and I was unaware of the significance of this. Aged 18, one of my really good friends um, I'd met through these camps came to stay, and she mentioned she was going away in a few days' time with some friends, some of which I knew, and she invited me along. So I booked some train tickets, and a couple of days later, I was on a train heading for the middle of North Wales. I had no idea what to expect of that week, but I had the most amazing time, and these friends were so great. They encouraged everybody. Everything was done in love, and there was just something different about them. They created an atmosphere that was trusting, that felt safe. They shared from the Bible and parts of their stories. Everything was done with honor and thanksgiving. Something was different about these guys. I honestly don't really know how to describe it other than it was just different, different and it was God. They were putting him first. He was the center of what they were doing. It was what drove them. It was their purpose and their whole life. This authentic, faithful witness stuck with me profoundly. Seeing them follow Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, I wanted to know God in the same way they did. I could see the effect it had on their lives, the freedom that they lived in, and the relationship they had with their Heavenly Father. On the way home from this trip, I ended up at a train station in the middle of Wales, because I got kicked off a train, um, in the middle of a place called Dovey Junction, um, in the July sunshine, and there was not a single person around. Um, I had two hours till the next train, um, and when I say it was remote, this station was literally just a concrete platform and a couple of shelters. There wasn't a Pret or a Costa or anything like that. So I sat there for two hours reflecting on my time away with these friends and did what my friends had made a priority that week. I prayed. 
I asked the Lord for a relationship with him and that all that I knew in my head, I would know deeply in my heart, giving it to him. Looking back four years later, this was a pivotal point for me, giving my heart to God, surrendering on a train station platform. (laughs) Over the next few weeks and months, as God led me to pray more, spend more time in the Bible and build a relationship with him, as this happened, my heart began to change. God revealed my worth was in him not in the way I was perceived by my peers, my social status, or how successful or funny I am. God's love for me has no conditions. I continued letting God into my life and moved to Sterling in the autumn of 2019. Quickly, I was led to Sterling Vineyard um, and I found an incredible spiritual home here and an amazing community. Since being in Scotland, it's been a complete whirlwind and it's been far from easy. But through everything, God remained. He prevailed. And I've been able to continue living in relationship with him because of the cross. Through God's saving grace and freedom, I've been made anew. The cross has been my pillar of hope. Um, I'm just going to quickly read Ephesians 2, um, where Paul just excellently describes what it means to be made alive in Christ. Um, So give me a second while I find it. So Ephesians 2 says, Once you are dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil and the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live in that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. And I think that passage just sums up why I'm here today, getting baptized. Brilliant, so good. Well done for sharing that. Although we are all now wondering why you got kicked off the train uh, on that platform, but maybe that's a story for another day. (laughs) Fab, fab. Uh, can I welcome Talitha now to come up and join me here? Let's give her a clap. (laughs) Just looking for my notes. Um, Yeah, okay. Oh, thank you, everyone. Um, Yeah, this is my testimony. So, I was raised by two Christian parents who have had a deep trust and love of the Lord and who have earnestly tried to live by the example of Jesus gave in the Bible. Early on in my childhood, it was impressed upon me that I had to make my own decision of whether or not to follow Jesus. My mum would often say that God has no grandchildren, only children. Um, I'm so much of a thinker and wanted to take my time with this question. 
Um, yeah, I sometimes wondered whether or not it was my faith or that of my parents. At 18, I moved out. I lived in China for a year, and there was no Christian community. And perhaps that's why when I came to Sterling to study, I felt starved for fellowship and embraced the people who I met in the Christian Union and organizations like the Navigators. However, in my second year at uni, I started working full-time at a coffee shop while doing my degree. I didn't really get on well with the managers at that place um, and felt really stressed because of this. This is when I started to develop and believe a narrative that I was working and God was not. That I was the good Christian girl and God, while saying he provided, didn't really. I became a little bit bitter, resentful and felt inwardly a little bit hollow. However, I still attended every Christian event and conference. At one such conference, I went forward to receive prayer. I can't really remember for what, um, but the man who prayed for me said that he felt really emotional and that for him that, that was often a sign of the Holy Spirit working. He said he felt an urgency to tell me that Jesus loved me, that Jesus loved me, Talitha. It wasn't a love that he loved the church and that included me nor was it that Jesus said he loved me, then he made me, and now he just had to live with the consequences of a bad deal. He loved me, Talitha. There was something really refreshing in hearing that, and it broke the narrative that I had kind of believed up until that point. It shifted my focus onto God's love, uh, which was deeply and intimate, and again, just really refreshing. It wasn't contractual. And um, yeah, God is a loving father and he wasn't an employer who would only kind of pay by delivered. Um, that evening, I just cried and cried and cried. Um, so that in sum up is, is kind of my testimony that the love of Jesus is one that I've never experienced anywhere else. Um, it is deeply refreshing. And it, I think, it, you know, Jesus surprises and cares for people in the midst of their grief, like Mary in the tomb or the woman, um, the widow, whose son he raises in Luke 7. And I think, yeah, that is the reason why I'm being baptized today, that love. Mm. So, yeah. Thank you very much. Great. You can have a seat with me. Yeah. Brilliant, so good. And I know it can be so nerve-wracking to come up here and share those stories, but aren't those three amazing stories? Three individual stories, three powerful stories, one amazing God. And so we're so excited to be able to celebrate um, this, this decision, this part of your journey with you today. And so, as I say, there will be opportunity. We're going to pray for the three of you um, just at the end. I'm going to just speak for a few short minutes um, before we pray for these girls. But I wanted just to provide a little bit of context. You know, it's great to see so many visitors joining in with us today. And maybe you've come along as a, a friend or family member of, of one of the girls that's getting baptized. But really the question that you're asking is, what's up with baptism? You know, what is this all about? So I just wanted to provide just a really short bit of context. And, and I'm going to start by reading from the Bible, from the Book of Romans. Um, you, can look, you can follow along if you've got your phone, your Bible with you, but it will come up on the screen behind me as well. So we're reading from Romans uh, chapter 6 verses 3 and 4, and it says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Amen. I love that. 
So we're going to talk a little bit about that in a second. But why do Christians get baptized? So three reasons. The first thing, the first of all, is that baptism is a command. In the Bible, we see that it is a command of Jesus. And we particularly see this in the book of Matthew, Um, Matthew chapter 28. If you've been coming to church for a while, I'm sure you're very familiar with this passage. We call it the Great Commission. Um, And if you haven't heard of this before, it's a little bit like if you can imagine Mission Impossible. You know that moment when Ethan Hunt's given the mission, your mission, should you choose to accept it? You know, it's kind of that moment of Jesus to his disciples, of Jesus to his followers. You know, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is the mission that Jesus has left his followers, his people, his church. And that's the mission that we live with and live under. We want to share the good news of Christ with the world around us and invite people to come and join in on that journey of following him. And so part of our obedience to Jesus and part of our obedience to following him is is through baptism. In fact, baptism, it was so important, we see it was one of Jesus' final instructions before he returned to his Father in heaven. And actually, as we study the New Testament, what we find is there's no such thing as an unbaptized follower of Jesus. Even Jesus himself was baptized, the only human that actually didn't need to be, but he set that example and invited us to follow him in it. Baptism was important to the early church. It was important to Jesus. It was important to the apostles who continued to teach it and practice it. Um, And it's important 2,000 years later to us as the church and as followers of Jesus. We want to obey that command. (laughs) Secondly, baptism is a symbol. It's symbolic. It's symbolic for us of what happens when we put our faith in Jesus. You know, when a person gets married, uh, one of the symbols of that marriage is that they put rings on their fingers. It's a sign and it's a symbol that we understand what it means. You know, just simply putting rings on our fingers doesn't make us married, but it's a symbol. You know, it's a symbol that shows that we're committed to someone for the rest of our lives. And in a similar way, baptism is symbolic. It's a symbolic picture of what happens when we put our faith in Jesus as we receive his forgiveness, that through his death on the cross, we can be forgiven, we can be cleansed, we can be washed clean. And that kind of going down into the water, being joined with Christ in his death, being cleansed of our sin, but then again coming up out of the water and being raised to new life in him. So entirely symbolic. See, the act of baptism in itself doesn't save us, but it symbolizes the fact that we have been saved through our faith in Jesus. So that's why we do it. And thirdly, the last thing is that baptism is a statement. You know, it's a public statement. You know, those, those girls were so brave today, weren't they, being able to stand up here and share their story with their friends and family this morning. You know, it's a chance for us to blow our cover and to invite our friends and family to come and celebrate with us our decision to, to follow Jesus. And that's why we're here today. For Haley, Grace, and Talitha, they've all made that decision to put their faith in Jesus and to follow him. And just before we finish, I just wanted to give a wee word to, to the three of you this morning. You know, you've all made this incredible decision to be baptized, and I feel really privileged to have been getting to hear more of your story over the last few weeks and and how God has broken into each of your lives and how he's building and growing his relationship with you. And as I was praying to the Lord and just asking what might be a word or an encouragement for you, I was just reminded of that picture of being raised to new life with Christ. 
And I think that he really wants to encourage you this morning around the area of what does it mean to live life and to live life to the full. In the book of John 10.10, Jesus talks about that he came so that we could have life and life to the full. And as you're baptized today and as you come up out of the water, I want to encourage you to pursue life, pursue life with Jesus and live it to the full. You know, part of that is continuing to seek him, continuing to grow with him, you know, continuing to hear his voice and be obedient to the things that he's prompting you to do. And also part of that is understanding that each one of you has a calling in God, something unique that he has created for each one of you to do in the earth. And as you grow in your relationship with him, with him I want to encourage you to find out what that call is. I wanted to give each of you a book this morning. Um, some of you might have heard of it, Garden City, um, by an author called John Mark Comer, um, who's one of my favorite authors at the moment. But really, this book is all around um, pursuing your call in Christ. And so I just want to give you that as a gift this morning, just to encourage you as you continue in your walk, in your faith journey with God. And I guess a bit of the book is it kind of uses this symbolism of, of Adam and Eve in the garden. And sometimes we can have this idea or picture that Adam and Eve were created to just wander naked in the garden in fellowship with God. But actually this book makes a theological case for the fact that actually we were called to work with God and to partner with him. And actually in the garden what there was was all the raw materials to begin to build with God. But as sin came into the world, we came outside of that calling. But actually, as we, as we receive forgiveness, as we're restored to our relationship with Christ, we can step back into the call of God, which is to work in partnership with him. It's to build, it's to create, and it's to rule and reign with him. And so God has given each one of you passions and gifts. Um, and, and I just want to invite you, go on the journey of discovering who is it that God has created you to be? What is the purpose um, that, that he has given you? You know, I know from speaking to you that you're three very different people. Um, but I know that the world needs people passionate to see our children and our young people cared for, discipled, mentored, looked after and introduced to Jesus. You know, the world needs people with a deep compassion whose hearts are stirred to, to care for and to look after those who are more vulnerable in our society. And believe it or not, I also passionately believe that Formula One needs mechanics who love Jesus to go on tour and introduce them to him. So maybe, just maybe, those gifts are within the room today. And I just want to invite you, give your passions, give your gifts to God, invite him in and go on that journey that will be the greatest adventure that you have ever had as you surrender your life to him. A life of purpose, a life of significance, a life in partnership with him. One of the quotes from the book is that God is involved in your story to the, deg the degree that you open your life to his authorship. I want to encourage you, throw your life open to the presence and voice of God. Throw your life open to his authorship and his leading and his guiding. And you will have the greatest adventure. You know, one of the ways that you can discover more of who you're called to be in Christ is by asking him questions, seeking him, asking him uh, questions like these. I'm just going to put them up on the screen behind me. These are just some helpful questions, you know, and actually maybe some of us here will find this helpful as well because we're all on a journey to find more of who it is that God's calling us to be and what it is that he's calling us to do on the earth. So these are some helpful questions, again, from the book. Um, you know, what is it that you love? 
you know, God gives us passions. God gives us interests for a reason. So we need to pay attention to those. You know, what are the things that we're good at? And also bad at. I think that can be helpful sometimes as well, knowing what we're bad at, maybe knowing the areas that we're not supposed to pursue. What is it that you notice that the world needs? What is it that stirs your heart and breaks your heart as you look at the world around you? You know, where are the open doors in life? Where is their favor? Where are their opportunities? What is it that God's blessing you? Where is it, sorry, that God is blessing your life? Also, what about people around you? What do they see in you? What are they calling out of you? Are you listening to the voices of, of people that you, um, of leaders and, and people that you respect around you and what they're saying over you? And then finally, what is the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart? Now, these are some questions, I think, for all of us to just think about as we think about our calling in Christ. Finding your calling is another quote from the book. Finding your calling is about finding your voice, which cuts over the din and drone of the other seven billion plus people on earth, the tune and tone that only you can bring to the table. You know, each one of us has a unique gifts and a unique call from God. And so I want to invite us as we think about what it is to be raised to life in Christ, would we pursue that life and pursue it to the full? Thanks for listening to the Stirling Vineyard Sundays podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at stirlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Stirling Vineyard Church.